Well, good morning, Rock family. Okay, I'm glad to have you all here with us this morning. We're going to be uh, diving right into the word this morning here in Acts chapter 18. Uh, so if you have a Bible with you this morning, go ahead and open to Acts chapter 18. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, you can find one underneath the seat um, in front of you. Um, if you don't own a Bible, uh, take that one home. It's our gift to you this morning. You can write your name in it, start taking your notes in it. Um, we just want to make sure that every household has a copy of God's word and so that's our gift to you this morning. And so as you're doing that, as you're opening up to Acts chapter 18, um, we're going to kind of piggyback off of where we've been the last four weeks. Now, if you've been with us the last four weeks, um, you know that we haven't, uh, we, we've been in this uh, 4W series, right? This 4W life series. We've been talking about what it truly looks like um, to be a disciple of Jesus, right? Where we, where, what, what actual tangible things, what characteristics uh, should we have as a disciple of Christ? What should it look like to be a true disciple of Jesus? So we've been walking through those things over the last four weeks, right? We've been talking about that a true disciple of Christ should be one who worships Jesus, right? The first W we talked about, we talked about worshiping Jesus in spirit and in truth. The second thing that we, um, that we talked about was uh, that a true disciple should walk with Jesus, right? Should be walking with Jesus daily in his word, um, in prayer. And so that, that is, uh, that's the second thing we saw the second week walking through this 4W life. Now, the third thing we saw is that uh, we, a true disciple should be one that works for Christ, right? Serves the body with the love of Jesus. And then last week, we talked about how a true disciple is one who witnesses for Jesus, right? One who goes out and proclaims the gospel of Jesus to those who do not know him. And so those are the four W's, right? And these, this isn't something that we as a, as a church body just made up, right? We didn't just make these up and say, okay, these are the, the four W's. Um, this is, these are things, characteristics of a true follower of Jesus that we find in his word, right? Straight, all those things come straight from God's word. And so that's what we um, identify with him. We strive to be obedient to God's word in those things. So um, last week, as you know, we, we ended out our, our time together um, talking about witnessing, right? what it looks like to be a, a disciple that witnesses for Christ. And we even got to celebrate six baptisms where we heard uh, people in the tank tell their testimony, right? And witness to the people in this room. They literally were witnessing to you saying, this is who I was before Jesus. This is the moment that I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and he transformed my heart. And coming out of that, this is how I live my life now, that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And so um, that was something we celebrated last week. It was incredible. If you were here with us and celebrated, it was incredible to hear the testimonies and see six people give their life over to Jesus. And so coming off of that, um, this whole this whole. Um, uh, 4W Life is all dedicated to the mission that Jesus gave us in Matthew 28, 19, right? The reason we, we live out this 4W Life, the reason, reason that you see Christians living their lives this way is according to being obedient, Jesus says in Matthew 28, he says this, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And so this is what we're doing. This is what the 4W life means. How do we, are we to live our lives as a disciple and why, 
Well, it's because it is a command from the Lord as a Christ follower to go and worship him, to go and walk with him, to go and work for him, to witness for him, and to spread the gospel and grow up other disciples. And so that's what, where we place our emphasis um, and have placed our emphasis this last month. And so, but as we read that, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Uh, I remember as a new Christian, I was like, what does that mean? You know, I, I understand what it means. I understand that, that this is a command from the Lord, but, but I wanted to see as a new Christian people come to the saving faith in Jesus come to know Jesus. And I, but I was constantly asking, like, is there anywhere in the Bible that shows me how to do this practically? Right? The actual hands-on application of, of this verse. Is there anywhere in the, the text that shows me how to do this? See its importance, but how do we do it? And so I needed step-by-step instructions from God's word on the best way to multiply disciples. And so one day I was listening to this pastor, a, a fellow named uh, Vance Pittman, and, uh, and he led me to these step-by-step instructions in God's word on how to multiply disciples effectively. And it's right here in Acts chapter 18. And so this morning, the apostle Paul is going to show us the answer to this question. And that is this, what is an effective way to multiply disciples? And so Paul's going to show us this morning three steps that lead to gospel expansion and disciples being multiplied. And so that's where we're going to be at this morning. So you all ready to get in the word this morning? Okay, we're going to go line by line, verse by verse, through Acts 18, verses 1 through 11. Read with me here, starting in verse six, or I'm sorry, starting in verse one to six says this. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them. And because he was the the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And so as we open up the text this morning, in verses 1 through 6, we notice that it starts out like this, after this, or, or after these things. And so what's happened, we have to see what's happened before chapter 18, verse 1, right? And so what ha- what's happened is this, Paul has been in Athens, and Athens is a city that was full of the worship of many different pagan gods. In fact, Paul is there by happenstance. He's there by accident. He goes in and he sees statues to all these pagan gods. And he sees one statue that says to the unknown God. And so when he goes and speaks to the people in Athens, he says, hey, listen, you got a lot wrong, but you got one thing right. That unknown God that you don't know is the God that you should be worshiping. And so he goes to this outcropping mountain a place called Aeropegasus, 
and he preaches a sermon, which you may have heard before, called the Sermon on Mars Hill. And so coming out of that, Paul has just proclaimed the gospel in a place that didn't have it, right? That was lacking it. He was spreading Jesus in a place where he wasn't. And so he's come from Athens now into this city of Corinth. Now, Corinth, this Corinthian city, is a port town. All right, this is a town that's bustling with people all the time. Right? It's a major trade area, major port town, highly trafficked area. And this was a culture also steeped in pagan worship, right? God of the sun, God of the moon, God of the water. A, cult, a culture steeped in paganism, particularly sexual sin, right? The worship of the goddess of fertility. And so all around this city, there are brothels. There was a lot of incest going on in the city, a lot of sexual depravity happening here in Corinth, like the, the Las Vegas uh, of, of its day, right? Huge population, huge trade area, huge amount of people moving in and out, just reaching out to fulfill the desires of their flesh, this is a desolate place full of depravity, full of greed, and Paul is standing again in another dry, desolate place that doesn't have the gospel. But as he's told us over and over again, Paul, through his epistles, through his letters, this is the duty of a Christ follower, is to go where the gospel isn't and proclaim it. Right? Last week we talked about how Paul calls us to be ambassadors for Christ. Right? As Christians... We, as people who have given their lives over to Jesus, it is our duty now, our responsibility to go and proclaim the ministry of reconciliation, that we were sinners, that we were all dead, that we all deserved the wrath of God because of our sin, that we've all fallen short of God's righteousness, but Jesus has reconciled us to God through his blood, through his sacrifice, the death that he took for us that we deserved. All right, so Paul tells us this is our duty as Christians to be ambassadors of Christ, to go out and proclaim the message of the king. And so that's what Paul's doing here. And he's going to show us step by step the best way to do this, to multiply disciples and to see the kingdom grow. And the first thing he shows us here is this. The first step that Paul does as we read through verse 1 through 6 is he engages the community. Paul engages the community. He shows us, in fact, four ways that he engages the community. If you look in verse 2, it says this again. It says, he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. So the first thing Paul does, he gets into a new city and he connects with people. In fact, he finds two Jews from Rome. Paul, Roman citizen, a Jew, Right? They have something in common. So he finds these two, these two Jews from Rome. They've been kicked out of Rome. And this is historical. You can find this in a history book as well as in the Bible. That the emperor Claudius of Rome kicked all the Jews out for seven years. He kicked everyone out. If you were a Jew, you could not live or dwell in Rome. And so these people are here in Corinth. And Paul meets up with them. Right? He engages and connects with people in the community. And so as we think about how we can applicationally take this text and put it into our own context, are we engaging with people in the community? All right, it's the first thing we see the Apostle Paul do. All right, this book of Acts is, is like a bird's eye view of how Christianity, of how the gospel of Jesus spread from Judea all the way across the world. 
All right, so that's what, that's what the book of Acts is. Now in the 18th chapter, we see that Paul is in the city of Corinth, and the first thing he's doing is engaging with people. So are we interacting with people out in our community, right, in coffee shops? Are we interacting with people we don't know in social clubs or at Little League, right? I heard a pastor say one time his, his best mission field was his daughter's softball team. He saw more people saved through coaching his daughter's softball team than he ever did on a Sunday inside the four walls of his church. Are we engaging with people in community events? Are we getting out of our houses, out of our comfort zone to go and connect with people? That's what Paul is showing us here. The very first thing Paul does with his feet in this desolate land of Corinth is he seeks people. He goes and connects with people. Let's look at the second thing that Paul does next, the second, uh, the second step that Paul takes into engaging with the community. Look with me here in verse three again. He says this. And he went to see them, and because, I'm sorry, verse three. And because he was the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. All right, so the second thing Paul does is he starts working in the community. He starts working as a tent maker in the community, doing some impactful work in the community, again, getting him engaged with people. All right, we have no clue how impactful our presence can be as a Christ follower in our workplace, right, in our jobs, right, letting people know that we are a individual who follows Jesus and living our lives in a manner worthy of glorifying the Lord in the workplace. And so we can have such a great impact at work. Work is interesting because it gives us the ability to get around people that we might not usually get around, right? It's a brand new mission field. And so Paul starts to engage with people, engage in working in the community. This is what he does. And so applicationally, is this something we are doing at work? Do people that you work with day in and day out know that you're a follower of Jesus? Do they know that you are pursuing obedience through God's word? Do they know who Jesus is? Right, this is a question that we should all be asking ourselves as a Christ follower in this room. Do people around me, people I see Monday through Friday every single week, know that I follow Jesus Christ? Do they know what a Christ follower looks like through me? Are we interacting with people who don't know the gospel, whether in our personal lives, at work, at home, in our families? This is a question we have to ask ourselves because we're seeing Paul literally step-by-step engage with people in deeper and deeper interactions. Let's look at the next thing that Paul does here in verse four. Again, line by line, right through this text, in verse four, he says this, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. So, so far, Paul has come to the city. He's engaged the people. He begins to work in the city. The next thing we see him do here is he identifies the gospel need. He goes to a place where he knows low-hanging fruit is going to need the gospel. He goes to the synagogue full of Jews who do not believe in Jesus, who have not accepted Jesus as their savior. He identifies where the gospel is needed, and he goes to it. 
So again, we have to ask this question. Are, are we working, are we walking in this way? Do, are we going to places that need the gospel? Now, this is a, a tough question for Christians in the room. You know, I myself am guilty of this. We, we keep our families in a tight little knit box. All right, not getting out, not getting amongst people who don't know Jesus. All right, that can be something that we can all fall to. All right, Paul, the first thing Paul does is go to people he knows needs Christ. This is how we should be living our lives. So we have to ask ourselves again, are we interacting with people who need the gospel? And look what Paul does next here in verse 5. He says in verse 5, the Bible says, When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that Christ was Jesus. So the next thing Paul does, right? He's, he's engaged with the community. He's begin to work in the community. He finds the gospel need, and then he proclaims Jesus to the people that he finds. Right? Paul begins to witness for Christ. Right? The, the Bible says here he's occupied with the word. And if you're reading the, the King James Version this morning, I actually like what it says here better, the translation better. It says that Paul is pressed in the spirit. Right? He is compelled to share the gospel even though he's getting pushback, right? Look at verse six. Again, verse six uh, says, and when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. And so Paul's getting a lot of pushback. Remember, he's in a desolate land of the gospel. These people do not know Jesus, but he's compelled by the gospel, the way the gospel transformed him. He is pressed in the spirit. He must move forward. And so he's continually preaching the gospel. And we talked about this last week as we talked about the witness W, right? That we're called, again, to be ambassadors for Christ. We're called to witness for Jesus. No matter if we're getting pushback or not, we're to go on and plead with people, be reconciled to Christ. Be reconciled to the Lord through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Even though he's getting pushed back, Paul is compelled to witness for Jesus, right? So we've seen this happen. Paul went to a community. He's begun to engage with people. He finds that there's no gospel here. He begins to interact in the synagogues. Begins to preach the gospel. Telling the people sharing his testimony. Right, we know that through Galatians chapter one, that when Paul goes and preaches the gospel, he shares his testimony. We talked about that last week. If you're in this room right now, you don't know Paul's testimony. You could find it in Galatians one. Right, Paul was a persecutor of Christians. He was a Jew, a high ranking Pharisee. And he would go and kill and beat and throw in prison any Christians he could find. In fact, he was so good at it that he began to climb the ladder to the peak of the Pharisees. And so one day he's walking to this city of Damascus in order to go and persecute more Christians. And the Lord meets him on that road. Paul gives his life to the Lord that day. And from that day forward, he does a 180. Begins to worship the same God that he was persecuting. And just from people hearing that story, in Galatians 1, again, you can find this, just from people hearing Paul's testimony, 
of who he was before, what happened, and who he is now, people are beginning to turn towards Jesus. That they're, they're running around saying, this man, Paul, who used to persecute the church, now worships Jesus, and people were being saved by that testimony. Paul's going around telling that testimony. He's also showing the Jews here, like, hey, all this Old Testament that you, we've been called to study since we were little children, all this Old Testament, every bit of the prophecy in here, it points directly to Jesus. So he's just showing them over and over again the truth of God's word and that Jesus is the promised Savior. And so what we got to take from these first six verses is this. As a, as a Christ follower in a new city or an area of the city or a group of people that you know the gospel doesn't exist, the first thing we have to do to see the kingdom of God grow is engage the community with the gospel of Jesus. Right, that's the utmost importance to Paul here. It's the calling that Jesus gives us all in Matthew 28. This is the first step in order to sing disciples being multiplied. We must engage our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. As he moves forward, Paul shows us in the second step in verses seven through eight, what we're supposed to do next here. Read with me in verses seven through eight. Get our eyes back on the text here. And he left there. And he went to the house of a man named Titius Justice, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with the entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. Right, the second step that Paul tells us here that we are to do is to focus on discipling. Right, we're called here to focus Turn our focus, once we've shared the gospel in a land that it hasn't been in, is to focus on discipling the people. All right, in verse 7, Paul joined a group of like-minded men. He says he left there and went to a house of a man named Titius Justice, who was a worshiper of God, who lived next door to the synagogue. And then uh, the Crispus, the, the ruler of the synagogue. All right, so he joined a group of like-minded disciples, men who were dedicated to living out the calling that Jesus had given them in Matthew 28. And then in verse eight, we see that they are solely focused on multiplying disciples. Again, verse, verse eight. Crispus believed in the Lord together with his entire household and many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and were baptized. So they're just focusing in on multiplying disciples. Right, through the preaching of the word, Paul is seeing the lost people of Corinth saved the saved people of Corinth matured, and the matured people of Corinth multiplied. So this group that started as a few like-minded disciples is beginning to swell, right? It's beginning to grow. So now, Paul has a centrally located group of disciples of Jesus. And this group, this group of disciples is dedicated to living out the commands of Jesus, to go and make disciples of many nations, Right, these, these, this group of disciples is dedicated to living a life worshiping Jesus Christ, walking with Jesus, working for Jesus, and witnessing for Jesus. Right? That's, that's what we have been diving into again this whole time. It's all for a purpose. Right, we didn't just come up with these four W's. Right, these are commands in God's word. All for the purpose to spread his glory, 
to spread the gospel, to see people come to saving faith in Jesus, letting people know through our words and actions that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and that the only way to eternal life and not death is through him. And so, again, Paul is, has this group that's growing, this group of disciples that's growing, and he's just pouring into them, pouring into them with the word, maturing them in Christ. Right, and this is what we do here in small groups. If you're not part of small groups here at The Rock, this is exactly what we do. Right, we mimic what Paul's doing here in Acts chapter 18, where we meet together, and Gary talked about how his group meets on Monday. We have a small group almost every night of the week available we get together, we dive into the word together, and we see how to become true disciples of Jesus, how we can build and become true disciples of Jesus Christ, all because we are motivated by the gospel. We are motivated to be a true disciple because of the gospel of Jesus. And so that's what Paul is doing here. Small group of disciples who's beginning to swell. And look what happens next with this small group. Look what the Lord does here in verse 9. It says this, And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. So the next thing that happens here as we look in verses 9 through 11 is that Jesus plants the church. Right? A church is planted in Corinth. Right? There was no church. There was no representation of the body of Christ in Corinth before this moment. And so Paul first engages the community, begins to, to go and connect with people. He begins to find the need for the gospel then preaches the gospel. Then he begins to disciple these people who are, who are giving their lives over to Jesus. They're hearing the gospel. They're responding in faith. He begins to pour into them, show them how they're supposed to be obedient to the word, how they're supposed to live their lives. And now we have this swelling group of disciples, true disciples of Jesus. And Jesus tells Paul, I will establish you in this city. I will protect you and I will send my people to you. You are now the church in Corinth. Not the little C church, the capital C church, with the sole responsibility to go and proclaim Jesus, to multiply disciples, to be an ambassador for Christ, preaching the ministry of reconciliation. Every single one of those people, not just Paul, is called to do this work, it's called to multiply disciples. And after a year and a half, Paul stayed there just teaching the word. And this is what we mimic here today. The same way we mimic that here today in church today. So Paul's in there just teaching them the word. For a year and a half, he stays in this place, building up disciples, teaching the word, teaching them how to be obedient to God's commands through his word. The church is planted. And this is, this is why we're all about this, right? If you guys have been here for a while, if, you, if you've been with us since the core group days, or maybe you've just come in the last month, I think hopefully we've... we've We've shared our mission with you. Like at The Rock here, we are all about planting churches. But we're all about seeing the gospel spread through the planting of churches in places where they're not. Right? Taking the gospel to places where it's not currently. 
This is why we're all about that here. And this, the method of spreading the gospel through church planning, it comes right here from Acts chapter 18. But one thing we have to see here in this is that we don't plant churches. Right? I have the title of church planter, but I don't plant churches. Brad has the title of church planter. We don't plant churches. We're going to hear from two guys, Brock Graham and Mitch Green from Indianapolis. Both of them have the title of church planter. They don't plant churches. Jesus plants churches. Right? We don't do this work. Christ does this work. In fact, coming from his own lips, Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says this, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. Look at the, the personal pronouns that Jesus uses. You are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. Not Tony's church, not Brad's church, not Brock's church, my church. We are the church of Jesus. This is all confirmed in verses 9 through 11. Right, Jesus builds his church. Again, he tells Paul, do not be afraid. Go on speaking. I am with you and no one will attack you for I have many in this city who are my people. Right, Jesus builds the church. We are commissioned to disciple for him. He does all the rest. Amen? And this is why we lean so heavily into living the life of a true disciple of Christ. Right, because we are called and commissioned to take the gospel to places where it doesn't exist. And it starts with our obedience as Christ followers to his word, right? To be obedient to him and worship him, to be obedient to him and follow his word, to walk with him daily, to be obedient to him in our service to the church and service to people, to be obedient to him and witness for him, just as Paul has shown us here in Acts chapter 18. And so here at The Rock, we've seen this work, Right? We're a church plant. If you're, again, if you're just with us this morning for the first time, we are a church plant. We were planted um, just back in August because a core group of disciples here began to disciple others and swell up, and God said, the Rock Bible Church in Greensburg is where I want your people. This is exactly what happened. It's, hap it's happening not just here, but all over. All right, in fact, I want you to hear from two church plants in our family of churches who have seen how living out the life of a true disciple by discipling people in their communities has multiplied disciples all around them and they've grown and God has planted his churches in these areas. So we're going to have a video pop up here and uh, just ask you to watch. And the mandate Jesus left us with was to go and make disciples. And so our focus must always remain on helping make disciples and deepen disciples. And as we're faithful to that mandate, God then often gives us the privilege to see more churches planted and multiplied from that. So it's our prayer that, uh, that uh, the, the homes of our people would turn into streets of disciples being made. And those streets of disciples made would turn into blocks where, where small groups are meeting. And that those small groups meeting over the course of blocks would turn into neighborhoods where the Lord is planting more churches. And by God's grace, we're seeing him do that. Church planting has both uh, been a means of expanding the kingdom and deepening discipleship, and we know it will be for you all as well. You know, when you look at our, our group, it is many people that we're serving and leading um, in other churches that the Lord called to go with us. 
and there was a gap for them to fill and in our church and the work of the ministry and and that is just like again when i think of first corinthians and i think of the picture of the body as many members and we all have a role to play and it's like we see that lived out and when i think about multiplication um there's a couple in our church that showed up week one that we had no idea who they were how they heard about us how they got there and yet now we're like three to four generations deep of that couple inviting you know i think just just the power of seeing yourself as a disciple maker and being inviting we've seen play out in our midst um over and over again here at ascend and so we see this like work itself out right and a lot of you may have been a part of either one of those church plants or a part of uh of expanding the gospel in those churches but these are two churches that we just heard from locally in indianapolis who are six miles apart right and many more in that in that little group that have, through the mass population and the amount of lost people there who have grown disciples in small groups, grown disciples in these churches, they've multiplied out so that they can spread the gospel to neighborhoods and cities and counties around them. And this is why we are so passionate about this. These, these church plants are literally living out what Paul does here in Acts chapter 18. And so I encourage you, engage with the community, right? Engage with them. This is how we, we get this, this spread, this massive community of, of uh, oh, sorry, this massive spread of the kingdom of God across the earth, right? We can see here, there's a graphic here behind me of how we started as a church plant from Redeemer, and it's just webbing out, and we'll continue to go. Our goal as a family of churches is to preach the gospel, to raise up lost people to become disciples, to mature them in the word of God and to send them out to be ambassadors of Christ. We're seeing that happen. And so I, I pray, and we're gonna pray here in a minute about this, but I pray you engage the community, right? Hear what we're saying. Hear what the Bible is saying. Hear what the Lord is telling you. Be obedient to me. Be an ambassador of Christ. Be a disciple who multiplies disciples. Right, go out in the community, connect with people. Find the need for the gospel. Share your testimony. Right? Share your testimony. Your testimony is impactful. Right? We, we've heard so many testimonies. In our small group, we're hearing a testimony a week, and, and it's so great. And, and I know you guys have heard my testimony, right? that I was, I was once a, a, a addicted to alcohol, and, and I, I, I had to fill this deep hole in my heart, and so I reached for drugs and alcohol, and and it was empty. But then Jesus came into my heart. I did a complete 180. And I walked away from sin, not on my own power, but through the saving grace of Jesus, through the gospel. Go out and share your testimony. Now your story is powerful, it's impactful. Go and share it with people. Get around people who have never heard your story. Get around people who have never heard the gospel and share your testimony with them. Just as Paul does, just as many of you have already probably done. Continue to do that. Right, get involved in the advancement of God's kingdom. Don't sit on the sidelines. We're not called to be a sideline player. We are called to get in the game. Get involved in the advancement of God's kingdom so that every ear in this city, every ear in this county, this state, this nation, this country will hear that Jesus is the Lord. And so I just want to take some time this morning as we, as we end in worship just to pray for that. That the Lord this morning through his word affects your heart.
and pushes you to be a true disciple and to multiply disciples, to go out and witness for him and multiply disciples. Let's pray about that now. Father, we love you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for everything you've given us. We thank you for the gospel, Lord, that we have to proclaim. Lord, I just pray that in this place, in this moment this morning, that if there's anyone in this room who hasn't heard the gospel, Lord, that they just heard it through the testimony of Paul or or through even the testimony of someone in the lobby. That this morning when they hear the gospel, that they hear you knocking on the door, that you love them, Lord. You tell us in your word, you so love the world that you sent your only son. Father, I pray that if there's anyone in this room who does not know you, Lord, that they open their heart to you. They see that you went willingly to the cross, that you walked, you bore it all the way to Calvary. That you laid down upon it and that as the the men who were putting nails to your hands and feet were doing so, you were begging for their forgiveness. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Lord, your gospel is powerful. It can transform the most lost of people. Father, I pray this morning that through your word, the gospel was heard, that hearts are transformed. Father, I just ask Jesus that you would put an urgency on the hearts of our people, Lord. The world, Lord, we see it's just going farther and farther south. Not just this country, the world. Father, we're in desperate need for you to return. So, Lord, I pray that before that moment, you commission these people in their hearts this morning to get an urgency, a fire underneath them to go and proclaim you before it's too late. To go and share with people in their community who you are, their loved ones who you are, their friends, their family who you are, what you did for us on the cross. Complete strangers, people at work, everyone, Lord. Let the gospel be shared from this place this morning, this week. Father, I pray that you would do that work here. Bolden our people to go and proclaim you. Just as the six people did last week in the tank, every single day, Lord, every single person in here, I pray that they do that this week, Lord. Create a burning fire in them for this, Lord. We pray this fervently, Lord, that more people come to the saving grace, the saving faith of you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We pray all this in your holy name. Amen.